0: turn your Bible to Genesis chapter 1 and Psalm chapter 90. Genesis 1 and Psalm 90. As you're turning there, I want to remind you tonight is our very first SOAK service, and uh, we are so excited about that. Somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 people across four or five different sub-prayer groups have been spending uh, a lot of time this week praying toward tonight's service. Now, here's what tonight is about. Uh, SOAK. Uh, basically we don't have a lot of plans. We're not going to be receiving an offering tonight. There's not going to be any announcements tonight. All of the normal structure from a service is being moved out of the way. This is a retreat like, um, encounter with God where what we want to do is come tonight and say, Holy spirit, what do you want to do in my life? What do you want to do in this church? And have your way. There, there is, it doesn't have to be more complicated than that. And so uh, tonight, uh, we'd love for you to be here at 5.30. What we've said uh, on several occasions is, if you can only make one Sunday night service a month, let it be this one. If you're not accustomed to coming on Sunday night, could you please uh, make that, take that step and join us tonight? It, it, it's going to be worth it. Uh, I know it 's going to be worth it because when you move everything else out of the way and just let people in God have contact, uh, then you realize how simple all this is, how much God loves us, and how much He really wants to do and so uh, love for you to be here tonight if you if you do if you are bringing an offering tonight, we do have an offering box in the foyer on the wall It's a safe box you can put your offering in there but we won 't we won 't be doing any of those normal things in here um, at four thirty we 're going to have uh, intercessory prayer and uh, and just a time of worship in the youth room in the legacy center just across the way so um, if if you if you want to come pray with us you want to come this will be the, I think the fifth prayer meeting this week focused just on tonight and and here 's the requirement just be there there's nothing you don 't have to be anybody you don 't have to have a title or a ministry or a uh, you don 't have to be a member you don 't have to be nothing you have to be breathing and, and human and We'll exclude all aliens and things like that. But if you'd like to come, uh, we'd like for you to be there. 4.30, we're going to pray, set the stage for what SOAK is. Um, and, and we need people who are, who are interceding and worship leading that are also off the platform. And so as we come together, man, to, to partner with God on those things is going to be really powerful. So just want to ask you, tonight's going to be a very special night. Well, prayers at four thirty soak is at five thirty and it's going to be a time of great refreshing. Lord's put some some really powerful things on our heart this morning. I want to continue the series uh, simplify, as you can see from the platform. What we've basically been saying to you is the world is getting increasingly more complicated. Uh, the, The systems of the world. The complexity of the world, the pace of the world is getting increasingly more complicated. And what we've said to you the first week is simplify to magnify. In other words, simplify so you can... Uh, you know what a magnifying glass does? It, it it makes the things that you're trying to look at look look bigger. It will help you prioritize. Last week we said simplify to amplify. In other words, the first one had to do with seeing. Amplify has to do with hearing. Simplify so you can amplify God's voice in your life, so you can hear Him better. Today, I want to say to you: simplify to modify. Now, now this one isn't nearly as inspirational, but much more critical, because this one is where this one is where life happens. This one is where change occurs. Simplify to modify. So I want to talk to you this morning about time. New buildings in our day and age are built not in years, in months, sometime in a month. I remember I saw a special years ago about a a district down in Japan where they wouldn't allow any construction uh, during office hours because they knew that it would cause so much disruption. So uh, this group that wanted to make a lot of money wanted to put a McDonald's there. So what they did, they did is they practiced this with their team. I don't know how many workers they had, astronomical number of workers, trained, skilled workers. And what they did is they, they planned how to put a McDonald's up together in a weekend. And so what they did is at 5 o'clock on Friday when, when, when the uh, ordinance lifted, they went in and started building the McDonald's. And then at 8 o'clock Monday morning when the ordinance regained, they were done with the outside. That You don't even believe me, do you? I can look at you and tell you you don't believe me. Well, the TV lied then. And that never happens. Entire books can be written and published in 10 days. Prescription glasses are ready. You've seen the commercial. In about an hour. Fax machines send messages in seconds. Email, text, and instant messengers. Well... They send things instantly. And not only that, they provide real-time conversations to be placed electronically. The speed at which we are moving is unprecedented and astounding. If you want to sell something in our day and age, all you have to do is attach on it time-saving. This trinket, this gadget, this device, this thing, this system, this will save you time. I don't think our issue is that we don't value time. I think it's that we're obsessed with it. The dream life for us is to be deeply involved in more things than anyone else and do them all well. Isn't that the American dream? And have white teeth. That's it. that's the American dream. I mean, just, just think about think about... <laughs> Think about the pressures and the drive that comes in the average man's life. Uh, Men want to be tech and jock and intellectual who enjoys reading and skiing, has a Barbie doll wife, is fluent in three languages, has traveled the world, is effective in business, is a great dad and a leader in his home with a lake house, a boat, fast car, GQ clothes, who works out and has the strength of ten men. You think our expectations may be a little high? And ladies, don't think that I'm going to let you off the hook. Women want to be the Food Network cooking competition winner, yet still petite. I don't know how that works. Married to model husbands, have beautiful houses, yet still functional for regular dinner parties. Perfect and, in Jesus' name, clean children. Nothing around their mouth. Who dresses well or popular at school, yet still make the honor roll. They're drop dead gorgeous, but intellectual and articulate, perfectly balancing and expanding career while providing for all the needs of her husband and children, popular enough to socialize with elite clubs, lit down to earth enough to mix with everyone else, and clothes to match her every mood for vacations year, and by the way, happy. <laughs> and the last one, I'm just saying, might be the hardest. You do realize there's just simply not enough time to do all that. You do understand there's not enough time to be everything. And I think my concern is, is at the pace we run on, we end up being closer to nothing because we're trying to be everything. When we blaze past the dream that God has over our life. Why is it when somebody looks at us, now just be honest, why is it when someone looks at us and they say, oh, I know you're so busy. Why is it inside, at least in our soul, there creeps a little smile? Why is it that we receive that as a compliment? Because I think what we actually hear when someone says, oh, I know you're so busy. I think what we hear is you live a significant life. You're you you, you you're important. And it feels somehow gratifying to us. Since 1973, the average American work week has increased by 20%. In the same time period, leisure time has been cut by a third. So people work longer and play less than they did in 1973. Time seems to continue to move on and on and on. We now have the longest work week in the industrialized world. The strain on time is being felt everywhere. 20% more hours at work. Work takes up more time. Churches have altered their schedules and offered alternative meeting times and services. Businesses are staying open longer and, and... uh, we are commuting further to get to places. Sports leagues are practicing on Sundays and Saturday nights and uh, off days and Wednesdays. And there's no sacred uh, space anymore. Free time is becoming more organized by outside organizations. And more demands are being put on that time. So that we just We just go. I think we generally cycle through adding something to our life, then adding another thing, then adding another thing, and then adding another thing, and then after a while it just gets out of control, and we didn't mean for it to get out of control, but I guess that the, the, I guess we, we, we just keep adding something but don't have a big view on can we handle all this? Is this something we should do? It just looks enticing. You know, in a consumeristic society, Consumerism teaches us if you want it, get it. But we do that with time too. If you want to be involved, sign up. If you want to do it, join. If you if you jump, and then we just keep jumping and jumping and jumping with no thought about how much stuff is being put on our back now. How much stuff is being put on our life? I would guess if you would ask the average American, what all do you do? I would guess the average American wouldn't know. We just go. To the next thing, to the next moment, to the next meeting, to the next hour. To the, we just go. So the pace of American life, I'm, saying, I'm suggesting to you, the pace of American life is unsustainable. The stress of a go lifestyle has been linked to the following. Heart disease... Obesity, depression, memory problems, sleep disorders, anxiety, and high blood pressure. The the stress marks are beginning to show. According to a national survey, all over the country, of thousands of people, forty four percent of people said, forty four percent of people said their their lives' current pace would eventually lead to health problems. admitted to being on emotional edge because of their schedule. Magnify, simplify to magnify, simplify to amplify, simplify to modify. Why do we need to rethink about our schedules? Why do we need modification? Because the pace of of many of our lives is toxic. It's poisonous. What if the purpose of life was not accomplishment? What if the purpose of life was meaning? What if it wasn't as important how long you lived, but how well you lived? What if it wasn't about doing everything you wanted to do? What if it was about doing everything God wanted you to do? Sometimes dreams and visions can become prisons especially if God's not the author of them. And so you have to begin to assess your life and test those things. What if God judged us not by our accomplishments but by our potential? What if he had a different scale than we have? Now, now just before you think this is another one of those, why don't you just try harder sermons? Or why don't you give more of your time to the church sermons? I just want to talk to you about time. Just time in itself. What is time? Time is the location and the space where we do our living. None of us live outside time. We all live in it. So time is the location and the space whereby we do all of our living. So time is more than a sterile if you if you read business literature on time management it is almost treated like a like a uh, lifeless commodity on a shelf that would need to be used like a box of paper clips or a stapler or tape or a laptop but time is not some sterile resource to be managed i mean it is a resource to be managed but it's more than that time is life When time is wasted, life is wasted. I remember um, one of my favorite teachers in high school, Judy Burt. I'll never forget her, taught history. And she was such a fascinating teacher and had such a rich handle on history. But that lady would make us work every second we were in that classroom. And what made you mad is she always smiled. She'd smile. Oh, I think that we have, I'm, I'm talking about not most days, some days, every day. And she always had projects and stuff you had to do. And I'm telling you, she'd look up the clock and she'd say, Oh, two minutes before the bell rings, get your folders out. Do <laughs> You know how that sounds to an 11th grader? Get your folders out. It's the first two minutes I've had to rest in my whole life. Get your out. she said. "Yes, yes. Get her. Fo- oh, don't moan, don't moan. Get your folders out. We can get something done. <laughs> and we'd get them out and start working. The bell. I mean, we went bell to bell. That was her deal. But she used to always quote something, and I and I've never forgotten the quote. It has resonated in my mind for years from eleventh grade history. Do not waste time, for it is the stuff. Of which life is made. Time is life. Time is life. In our society, if you're taking notes, the most obvious abuse of time are hurry or procrastination. Hurry or procrastination. Hurry is usually what we do when we're trying to do more than we should. Hurry is usually what we what we do when we're trying to take on things that are outside of God's will for our life. Or hurry is what we try to do when we've procrastinated so long. There's nothing left to do but hurry. Right? You ever been there? Procrastination is when we're distracted from a life of obedience, and we try to grab onto things that we think we can control. That are also outside of God's will for our life. So we're we're distracted. We're slowed down. Because we're trying to grab something. Outside of that sphere. Time is life. I think one of the things a lot of management discussion fails to take into account. Is the spiritual nature of time. Time is life as I've said to you. But I think one of the big factors that is almost always forgotten in time discussion. Is God created it. So time is not just life. Time is a gift. James says your life is a mist. You just spray it. it, it, it it's, it's, it's disappearing just as it comes out the nozzle. Time is a gift. Time is a gift because it was created by God. God didn't exist in time. God knows no time. God is before time and after time and all through time. God, God's not limited by time like we are. He's not in it. It's not, it's not over him. It's not bigger than him. God created it. Now think about what that must mean if creation, from creation flows time. In Genesis chapter 1, we get a clear picture of how God created time. Uh, I often thought, because I tend to be a workaholic... I've thought how do how do I make better use of my time? And you drive and you drive and you drive and you. Drive. One year I was in Argentina. Uh, I, you, how many of you have heard uh, South American time? Our, our, our Hispanic brothers and sisters, you've heard a South American, Central American time, African time. That means not American time. That means five minutes late is like way on time is early. It's a different time clock. Thirty minutes late is on time. Right? Come on now, Are you there? Yes, and they keep wondering, why are these crazy Americans so stressed out about time? It will be there. It will be there when you get there. I never Manana. I never considered that that there's something other than uh, time usage until I was in Argentina one year and I was talking to the missionary son. Uh, Nathan Graham's, and Nathan had moved to Springfield to go to AGTS to get a degree. And um, I I was fascinated by our schedule when we were there. We'd get up at 8 o'clock in the morning and we'd eat and we'd go and do ministry and go all day, go all day, go all day. And then at 5 o'clock we'd have uh, tea and crumpets or something. I don't know what it was. Tea. It was sort of a a, a European influence, Italian. And then we would eat dinner at about 11 o'clock at night. And then uh, between 11 and midnight, we'd eat dinner. He said, restaurants don't even open there till night. Like, uh, we open at 5, they open at 9. And then uh, dinner hours from 9 to like 1. That's just on weeknights. <laughs> and so I'm adjusting to this time clock. And I said, man, I said, Nathan, when, when you go to Springfield and you're... Do you, do, you, do you stay up? Do you eat dinner at like w- midnight? I mean, the cafeteria's like not open. What do you what do you do? Do you stay up late and do you do like that? And he said, no, 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 no. no. I said, why, 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 why don't you how? He said, I'd be exhausted. I said, well, you're not exhausted here. Now, listen, what he said, he said, no, it's a different rhythm of life. I I didn't even know how to talk. I went, how, how, how do you how do you how do you mean that? I just had to think about that for a while. And as I thought about that, I think in time we tend to approach it with drivenness. Simplify to modify. I wanna I want to suggest to you there is a creation time that has a pace to it. That has a I think that Nathan found something that I had never heard of before. Rhythm. And what I want to do is look at look at Genesis chapter one for a minute. Uh, Eugene Peterson, a person I've read after for years, one of his big um, one of his big contributions, I think, to the Christian community, is he he continually argues that not just what is written in the Bible is important, but how it's written too. How 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 is it put in there? And so let me just share with you in creation. There's a rhythm in creation. What he would say that's just as important as the fact that there's a creation at all. So think about the seven days of creation. Six times the Bible says, God said, and then there was morning, and there was evening. And that was the first day. Second day, and God said, let there be. And there was morning, and there was evening, and that was the second day. And God said, and there was morning, and there was evening, and there was the third day. You get it? It's the, same, it's the same structure every time until you get to the seventh day. And the seventh day, the, the day is mentioned from the beginning. It doesn't say, and God said, let there be this and this and this and this. And there was morning and there evening, and that was the third day. On the seventh day, God says, and on the seventh day, God rested. And, and then you, And then you see this, the seventh day is mentioned three times. So that it looks something like this. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 7, 7. At creation, there was the first day, second day, third day. Those three have something in common. Fourth day, fifth day, sixth day. Those three have something in common. And then 7, 7, 7. On the seventh day, on the seventh day, on the seventh day. So that you almost begin, when you read it, when you read those scriptures out loud, and we're just scrolling there so you can see them, the scripture gets inside you. You begin to enter the rhythm of creation time, and when we do, we internalize a creation sense of the way things are supposed to be, an orderliness about God's creation and a connectedness. It's like music. We almost find ourselves keeping time and tapping our foot to the rhythm of God's time. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven. Jesus, when He walked on the earth, was never in a hurry and never procrastinated because He was connected perfectly to creation time. He was connected inside that order. Creation has rhythms all around us. Seven days are repeated into four week cycles that puts us into a 28 day phase of the moon circling the earth. This happens about 12 times, 12 times a year where the earth and the moon circle the sun. These rhythms have inside them spring birth that we're about to see here in a few weeks and summer growth and fall harvest and winter sleep. And we're immersed in these rhythms. Our bodies have these rhythms. Your heart beats steadily 60 to 80 times a minute, pushing blood through your body. Your lungs expand and contract about 20 to 30 times a minute, pushing oxygen in and out of your body. This is the creation that we're part of. We are, if you're taking notes, we are in time, but time is in us. So that your body has a rhythm about it. That God put inside it. At creation, we can never look at Genesis 1 and we can't find one spot where God's in a hurry. We can't find one spot where God's procrastinating. From Him is emanating time. You can hear it through creation. Listen to the things that the Bible in Genesis says that God did. And God said. And God created. And God blessed. And God made. And God gave. And God called. And God rested. The cycle was breathed by God and God calls us to creation time. When you compare not just our schedule, but when you compare our daily rhythms to creation time, our time seems often chaotic and compulsive and driven and erratic and broken, reflecting the brokenness of the world more often than the peace of God. Are you here today? Am I creeping you out? Maybe, maybe, maybe one of the reasons that we're off rhythm is because we try to do too much. Or maybe we try to do the things that God's not given us to do. At your retirement, people will talk about what you accomplished. At your funeral, people will talk about who you are. Maybe creation time has more to do with who you are, with who you've become in God. We seem compulsively driven to activity, maybe because we're trying to accomplish too much, maybe because we're driven by guilt. Man, I, I can remember when our kids first started getting to the age that they were involved in, you know... Uh, T-ball and all this. And I I can remember just getting there about the last third of some of those seasons saying, God, if you will let us out, if you will let the sun set on this little T-ball season, we, we will not make this mistake again. So, so tired practices. And I, one year, all their practices happened to fall the same day. So we were going about two days a week. It was it never dawned on us that it might not happen that way. And then one year, it was six days a week, we were out there. None of the two of them were ever at the same time. We only had two. I don't even know what people with four and five kids did. It's crazy. And as we were ending, I was sitting around. They had a little party for the end of the thing. And the moms were talking about... And some of the dads, how, oh, boy, we got to hurry up because this is over. We're going to do swimming lessons this summer and then soccer camp. And then, you know, this, uh, uh, and I thought, <laughs> I thought, what are you running from? And, and I remember some of ours overlapping and we just went to say, look, you're going to do one sport at a time because you want mommy and daddy to always love you, don't you? <laughs> you're going to do one thing at a time. And you're going to pick it, and we're going to go to it, and we're all going to love it, and it's going to end. And that's all we're going to do. And I know that you, and I know that you let a lot of people down when you do that. And I know there are people who have expectations about your family that you, you disappoint. But maybe that rhythm is one of the things that's just outside of God's will for your life. Not the, not the event, not the sport, not, the, not doing fun stuff, not that. Maybe it's the rhythm. Maybe it's the pace. And, and I wonder sometimes, maybe our compulsive activity is because we're trying to accomplish too much. I, I could look in some of those parents' eyes and say, so, uh, you know, the breakdown of the family causes a lot of guilt on parents that are trying to do it Right? Because what they say is, my parents were terrible, and I'm going to be a great one. And what they do, oftentimes driven by guilt, is they overcorrect and burn everybody out. Because they're trying to do it all right. Because they say I never got to do any of this, so my kids going to get through all of it. Maybe, maybe, maybe God doesn't want you to do all of it. Maybe He just wants you to be a good parent sometimes, and and you know, sit there and stare out the window with them, lick a popsicle, you know. Crazy stuff. Chase the cone ice truck down the road and sit there on the porch and throw stuff at squirrels. Maybe it doesn't have to all be intense like that. Or maybe we're running from something into activity so we won't have to face something painful. Psalm chapter ninety, verse twelve, gives us great revelation inside this whole issue of time. Time is life and time is a gift. And what does God say to us in Psalm chapter 90 verse 12? Teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. There's something about matching the rhythm of your life with God's creation rhythm that generates wisdom. It makes you wise. There's something about compulsion that makes us foolish and dull. Teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Simplify to modify. You, you you have to back up and simplify some part of your life to bring change. And the truth is, and we all know this, until it affects your schedule, nothing's going to happen. There's no room. There's no space. There's no room for it. If you're taking notes, I'd like you to write this down. If you'll work on the days... The years will take care of themselves. I think what we try to do is work on the years. Hoping that will fix the days. If you'll work on the days. The years will take care of themselves. So as we wrap up this morning. I want you to see. The secret to the Christian life. Is in the daily schedule. The secret to the Christian life. Is in the daily routine. Not that you do everything exactly the same. Seven days a week. But you do have cycles. Summer, fall, winter, spring. Seven days a week. You know, breaks on and off. You somehow align. I, I don't know how to do that exactly. But I'm, I'm growing in it. And I'm getting better at it. And I don't think any of us will ever arrive at perfection with it. So maybe what I want to say to you is connect a little more. I I think in heaven we'll be on that cycle perfectly. Time will be life and time will be a gift and it'll be a joy and we'll be perfectly aligned with those creation rhythms. I don't know how to do that perfectly. But I'm doing it better than than I did 10 years ago. And so what I want to say to you is how, how can you take a step toward that? Well, the secret of the Christian life in the in the daily routine. It's the little things that you do over a lifetime. It's the little things that you do every day that make a big difference over a lifetime. How many of you watched... Uh, my wife and I were riveted by the uh, Olympics in Beijing. Uh, and you watched Michael Phelps. You watched that intense... What was it a gold medal? Something like that? Did you see that special they did? little 10-minute spot on his routine? It was crazy. I mean, he 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 ate like 10 men. You know, he swam like an amphibian. You know, I mean, he was just this. But think about what he did to his life. He, he said, I want to reach a goal that's never been reached. I want to win eight, eight gold medals. I want to break the all-time world record in every event. And so what he did, now watch this. How did he change his life? He simplified it basically Michael Phelps every day day in and day out, month in and month out here's what he did, he swam he trained he ate and he slept that's what he did now that's an extreme but what I'm saying is look what was generated over time by simplifying so here's what I want to I want to challenge you to do two things before we go here's the first one I want to challenge you you can't do it now you won't have time (laughs) We're, we're out isn't that funny what I want to what I want to encourage you to do though is I want to encourage you sometime today sometime tomorrow write down what you think would be a really God honoring day for your life what would an average day look like that would be that would be God honoring for you Obviously, you want to include not don't be legalistic things that you would do most days. You have to include some time for devotions. You have to include work. You have to include um, time to eat. Put your bedtime in there, and the time you get up, so so you've scheduled enough sleep. Just look at it. Just look at it. Is there any time to play in there? just to goof off is there some family time i mean what are the what are the big what are the big what are god's big priorities for your life if you can't see them reflected in your day you'll never see them reflected in the year or your life they've got to show up there and so take that and look at it and ask yourself the question would would this day lived over and over and over take me to where god wants me to go and if it wouldn't then, then, then you have to have some change. Something has to start to give. Maybe you know, you'll have to look, think through that. You have to think through what can I, what can change. Now, here's the other thing, and I want to ask you to stand with me because I, I really want you to take this one to prayer. The beginning of this series, I said to you from John 15 that what what the what the Holy Spirit was talking to us about in this series was what John 15 said, cutting off the dead branches that produce no spiritual fruit and cutting back the things that produce spiritual fruit so that there may be a greater fruit. And so and so here's, here's one of those times. What I want you to do is I want you to ask, we're going to pray, and I want you to, as we pray, I want you to ask God Lord, is there something that you are leading me to cut out of my schedule so that the things that are important to you may grow stronger? Now, now here's what I want to say to you. Here's here's how you have to do it or it doesn't matter. If, If you feel an impression in your heart that God is leading you towards something to drop something off if you knew it was him saying it would you do it? You start fooling with people's time and and, and we get crowded but I want to ask you the question again if you knew it was God leading you Would you do it? It's easy to say yes. But would you do it? Would you let something go? So that the things that matter most to him in your life would get stronger. And that might help you with that rhythm. So here's what I want to do. Every eye closed. Every head bowed. What I want to do is I want to pray for you. And I, and I want to ask the Lord to speak in this time. He, he's already speaking. Even as the message was going, there were some of you, things were popping into your mind. And what I want to do is pray. And here's what I simply want you to do. As you sense that thing, that that, you, that little impression inside your heart, that little feeling, that this is the thing for me to let go. What I just simply want you to do is lift your hand as a statement of faith and prayer saying, God, help me do it. That's all I want you to do. As you hear it, I just simply want you to lift your hand and say, yes, I, I I, feel like something's become clear in my life and I'm just lifting my hand as a statement of faith and prayer saying, God, now help me do it. Lord, as we stand in this moment, here we are gathered. Gathered together around your throne. Listening for creation rhythms. Listening for the way that you made the earth. For the way that you made our body. For the way that you made our mind. For the way that you made our life. Lord, we want to connect. We want to, let let me pray it this way. We want to take a step of deeper connection. You know we're human. You know we can't do it perfect. But we want to take a step of deeper connection this morning. And we want to connect to that rhythm. Lord, speak to our heart today. Speak to our mind. Impress us on what might be let go of so that we could be stronger on the things that you have in our life. If you're, if you're sensing that, just lift your hand as a statement of faith. Say, Look, I really feel an impression in my life. Boy, just keep it up. It, it, it's, it's an act of faith to keep it up. <laughs> it's an act of faith. So, Lord, here I am. Would you just, as your hands lifted and hands continue to go up, would you just pray with your hand up? Lord, here I am. I need your help. God, I'm dependent on you. I lean on your grace this morning. By faith, Lord, I'm lifting my hands saying, by faith, I can do this. Lord, by faith, I can live a deeper life in you. By faith, I can connect greater. Just keep your hand up. You can continue to lift your hands all over in the middle, in the back. Every section has hands lifted. Every section of the balcony has a hand lifted. Just say, Lord, I need your help. Just just cry out to him for it. Lord, I need your help. Lord, we live in a compulsive and a fast-paced faster pace probably than the world's ever known. Lord, we've got to have your help. We need you, God, today, to live in this world, to live, to be in it, but not of it. To live in it effectively, Lord, but to be deeply connected and rooted in you. Lord, we love you today. Help us. Help us. In Jesus' name.